Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's Number One Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out. All the products. That's on redbubble.com. People, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com. People, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Mid-South Moments. We welcome two very special guests to the show today, two members of the recently victorious Team USA in the first annual Mid-South Moments Trivia Spectacular, Terry Canova and Phil Segal are back. Terry, how are you doing today first? USA, 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 USA. USA. <laughs> oh, almost got that in you, so I'll take that as good. Phil, how are you doing? Doing well. I always stuff. enjoy doing these. I listen to other podcasts of yours all the time, and they're great, and I think... It, when I host, it's not as good as when other people host. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I, I know what I say. I look forward to your new podcast coming out. Well, thank I'm you. I'm on the next one. So so I'm going to have to ask you guys for a bit of a favor today because I am running on very little sleep thanks to being a UK wrestling fan. We're, we're taping this on, um, we're just talking off air, we're taking, taping this on the 8th of November for release on November 19th. A little bit early as I was hoping to take a short holiday, so trying to load up on shows. But thanks to our uh, government introducing a latest UK national lockdown which means all international travel is banned those plans are kibosh so apologies some of these some of the uh the pre-review chats probably a little bit out of date but i stayed up until 5 a.m last night to watch um watch the aew pay-per-view which i i don't know if i regret or not really Um, did did you guys catch any of it or have you you seen anything online about it uh overnight into this morning i did not no I, i i didn't either i uh I my my wrestling watching consists of old stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I tell you what, I'll catch was, some new stuff, but it's football Saturday in America. Yeah, of so course. It's a, yeah. Well, I tell you what, they had to, they had to, and I wonder if this affected last minute buys because they their their start time was right at the time that Biden and um, Harris were doing their their speech. So I wonder if, you know, that's a you know big, obviously huge news week. And I wondered if that affected us. It was a bizarre old show because after about an hour and 45 minutes, it was like a, almost like a solid, almost maybe a nine out of 10. Um, but then it just went, it kind wow. of went downhill after that. Um, I would, if, if you can, you know, catch some online or whatever, I would recommend the Young Bucks and FTR match was particularly good. And Omega and Page was good. But they did a weird, like a kind of a weird WWE thing where they had, big matches early and the, the card wasn't in the nor- kind of normal combat sports order, like as in you, you build and build right. and build and build. Well, they didn't do that yeah. and I felt that really hurt the card. But yeah, so I need you guys to provide a bit of a pick-me-up today, a bit of, a, bit of audio caffeine as we look at the, um, <laughs> we look first. At the, we're, we're moving into Christmas month, December the 1st, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Um, which is which is exciting time. So this is a this is really a time of change, and, and you guys are very kindly going to do this episode and the next one. But there's lots going on um, as this uh, as these these episodes move into December. And at the desk are Jim Ross and Joel Watts. And Jim Ross calls Joel the youngest wrestling commentator in America, and says that he'll soon be celebrating his 21st birthday at their great events in Oklahoma and Tulsa on December 31st. A New Year's Eve baby was Mr. Joel Watts. Um, 
So for my 21st birthday, I went to a sadly long since departed nightclub called the Blue Orchid in Croydon, where I grew up. And Croydon had a bit of a reputation uh, back then as being probably one of the places you would want to avoid in London. And, and it's probably only got worse since then, which was just, just down the road from where my parents' house was. Um, so from what I remember, me and friends had a pretty good night that night. I might have had a sneaky birthday kiss with an unlucky lady of Croydon before departing for the kebab shop at right. home. I woke up on that Saturday in some degree of pain and so hung over that I couldn't make it to Fulham that day. And I missed us beating Liverpool for the first time ever in the Premier League. So Terry, first, can you recall what you did on your 21st birthday? Oh, my. I, I have absolutely no recollection. So uh, <laughs> since, <laughs> since I was a New Orleans guy and I was in college, uh, it's probably a good thing. I can't Two plus two equals probably four with that, I'd imagine, yeah. <laughs> How about you, Phil? Do you remember, do you remember your 21st? I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember. No, I'm telling you what. I think my 21st birthday, I'd already been married – or Ooh. oh dude i got married when i was 19 i know oh. um i'd been out of my own for a while at that point so i got married when i was 19 had um so i had a, a i'm thinking it was shortly before the birth of my second son so there's probably not a lot of partying going on at that more time important, it's either more important matters to, to attend to by the sounds of things so yeah, yeah. That's, by the time uh, yeah. i was 21 i had one son maybe it was 22 so yeah, no, I was I was past that that stage. Good. I tell you what, there, there's a question for you. What's your kind of because in in the UK on like a night out, sort of traditional sort of food for the way home is sort of the doner kebab. So what's what's the what's the kind of food that you would have after kind of a particularly heavy night on the on your on your way home? Basically, is it pizza? Is it is it burgers? What is what is the typical American drunk of your face kind of dish before you before you go home? The the wings are real popular right now, wouldn't you? Say? Okay. Well, pizza for it, sure. It, yeah, and and I'm just thinking back again. You know, I'm I'm old, so uh, as as a as a young guy in the twenties, there there wasn't a whole lot of options right. then. Now I, I do right. remember a little bit after that, like when I was in the army, it was crystal hamburgers. Man, you could swing through there and get ten crystals for two dollars and fifty cents, and and. Uh, and hammer those, and then Taco Bell, of course. Is oh, okay, always, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. McDonald's is still a good one now. Actually, That's, you're a bit probably a bit mas- bit safer with McDonald's than you are Donald Kebab. But the one, a few times, especially in my early twenties, when I was going out, and it used to be Friday nights was the big night, and Saturday was just state in a was, was right. spent in a state of complete disrepair, basically. But occasionally I'd have woken up in bed with the Donna kebab sort of half eaten next to me, just wondering what I was doing with my life. And there used to be a show, I've got off on a big tangent here. There used to be a show on in the UK called Shipwrecks. I don't know if that ever made it. It was like a reality TV show. I'm not sure if there was ever an American version of that. But that would be on about probably about eleven thirty or twelve o'clock on on a on a Saturday morning, just as you were waking up. And you turn the TV on, and it would be these guys, similar age to me then, sort of early twenties, on a desert island. All the girls are like supermodels. All the guys are like ripped to the gills, like jacked anything. All as, the coolest men you can possibly ever imagine. A reality like, show, right? Yeah, a reality show. And I'm sat there in bed with my used Donna. Probably didn't get any numbers from any girls the night before, and I'm thinking, what? Like, what is my what is my life basically? But there we go. We'll move away from nights out in Croydon and back to Shreveport in 1984 now. So what then goes into the matches we have in store during this week's television show? Hacksaw Jim I have a Duggan. comment real quick. Sorry, go, go ahead, Phil. Yeah. Um, when he introduces Joel again and says he's the youngest commentator 
he he actually called him. He's got a promotion. He called him the color analyst. Joel is the color analyst. So yeah. he's got a promotion. He's not just a commentator. He is a color mm-hmm. analyst. Color analyst. But, yeah. Could you? Yeah. But to your point, could you imagine being twenty-one years old and having a position like right. that? So oh, yeah. it's incre- insane. Yeah. insane. Yeah, it is insane. And actually, props to him because I, I've said this on the show. For the vast majority of these shows, Joel is fine. It's only that he has a bit of a brain fade towards the usually go for some unknown reason. The, the bit that I think he finds the pressure is the on-camera stuff. The bit where he's commentating on what's happening in the year, sure. in the ring, I think he's quite insightful. But as you say, what twenty-year-old is getting any? Opp- I know he's obviously you know relative to um, to Bill Watts, but um, actually, what twenty-year-old is getting any opportunity in any form of wrestling now? So to do anything? the old joke, the old joke here is, oh, so you got your your job through relatives? Yeah, so did your queen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's true. She, she, poor, poor old Queenie, I'm a big fan of. Was pitching a face mask the first time because today's our Remembrance Sunday in the UK. So I guess that's your what's your what's your November? Is it Veterans Day, Memorial Day? Uh, November 11th is uh, Veterans Day. Veterans Day, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we call it, so so our, our Sunday closest that we have a Remembrance Sunday and a couple of minutes silence in uh, in the morning, and then we have another one on the eleventh. So yeah, our Queen was was pictured in a because she's been like bunked down. Okay. Know, she's ninety four, but she was pictured in a right. in a mask this week for the first time, which I thought was uh, she did a wonderful speech. Like she she very rarely speaks, but she uh, sorry okay. I shouldn't say she very rarely speaks. She very rarely addresses the nation. She addresses the nation every Christmas day. So every Christmas Day, you get a Queen's speech, which is about 15 minutes long at three o'clock. In, you know, usually you have Christmas dinner just before that or just afterwards, um, which is always a highlight of the year. But I always worry about it being the last one, obviously, with her advanced sure, age. Sure. Um, but this year, during our first lockdown, she did an incredible, just an incredible um, speech to the nation about, you know, better times ahead and all that sort of stuff. But unfortunately, we're still in it these, these months ahead. Um, but yeah, back to the back to the cool, all, all all sorts of tangents. So we've had nightclubs, we've had we had the blue orchid, we've had kebabs, we've had the queen. Oh, what's what's? I'm looking forward to what's next. So um, what's goes through what's on the show this week? Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Hacksaw Butch Reed, uh, the newly turned babyface Hacksaw Butch Reed, team together for the first time. Chavo and Hector Guerrero are there, who and they call themselves the Alamo Busters. Plus Magnum CA and Terry Taylor versus Hercules and Ted DiBiossi. We also have Adrian Street versus Bill Dundee and a North American title match with Ernie Ladd versus Master G and also Steve Williams versus Brickhouse Brown. So a completely loaded show in store. So before our first match, we get another recap of the Dream Match competition. So guys, if you could and jump in, whoever can think of one first, if you could think of any match from two wrestlers in history, past or present, to have a one-off match, perhaps two people that were never, you know, never cross paths at the right times or one from an earlier era and one from a later era. Um, who do you, who would you pick as your kind of all-time ultimate dream match? Go ahead, Phil, if you want to go first. Okay, yeah, and, I'm, and I'll, I'll help you stall here for a second while you think of the answer too. I, I, I think I've got my answer, but I also noticed when they're running this promotional video and you see wrestlers in the background, some of those wrestlers are not currently in the territory and one's yes. yeah. about to become, but also it looks like they're showing maybe wrestling from even other territories. Like there's definitely a, a it might be a Ric Flair, Kerry Von Eric, or there looks like there's Ric Flair with somebody maybe in a Houston Coliseum. So uh, I was wondering if I wonder whether have these big write-in campaigns, if they're getting people that wanted to see Ric Flair against Hulk Hogan, you know, were they getting this kind of responses or were they, you know, people don't realize that they're only going to see matches 
And if we ever got to interview anybody that ever actually worked for Mid-South, I'd be asking them, were these, it was obviously a writing campaign, but did they just book the matches they wanted us to see anyway, or were they really taking the fans' uh, choice? But yeah, anyway, I, I mean, think, you know, I mean, is this uh, you guys know better than me? Is this a, is this a campaign to get addresses for mail order stuff? I mean, is that, that that's I know that's what the ho- I remember. There's a big famous one in uh, in 1990 when Ho Hogan was out for a few months because he was he was filming. If I had to guess, I'd say either Mister Nanny or Suburban Commando, one of his early films, uh, a great quality film um, as well. Um, and basically, they did a write in to you know say best wishes to the Hulkster and bring him back and etc. And right. all that was was to get addresses so they could send WWF catalogs out to people. Now, obviously, this is six years before that. But I wonder was ma- I mean was it was mail order a thing then? Was were they were they sending things about tickets or fan clubs or, or something then? Was was that the, the angle here? Do you think all of that plus I think a big put it a lot of it had to do with that's how you proved your. TV ratings, your TV viewership. Yeah. If you could show it, you know, if the television station's trying to decide if they want to put you on or not, and you've got a million people writing in, well, guess what? Yeah. You know, that's, that's pretty strong. So, um, but it had a lot to do with all of that, but TV viewership was, was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I I never thought about the TV station getting all of those postcards. I just assume the, uh, you know, Bill Watts was going to book whoever he wanted to be in in the uh, in that match. Right. But 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 that's a great point about the the just a flooding of postcards coming in uh, would definitely make the TV station realize they had a good thing going. It keeps you invested. You you're going to tune in to see if they took your 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 choice too oh yeah absolutely yeah. unfortunately in the background here we've got um fire, fireworks going off so that'll be an excellent banging and popping and stuff on the on the <laughs> podcast our fire i guess you your main fireworks is i guess J- july 4th is it every year in terms of mm-hmm. your fireworks yep. up that's the main and yeah new so year's our eve main one is oh yeah new year's eve as well as of course so our main one is usually 5th of november which commemorates a plot to blow up our houses of parliament in i couldn't tell you when <laughs> year hundreds and hundreds of years Excellent. ago wow um, yeah okay. actually guy fawkes night but um there's not been any organized displays this year but it doesn't prevent anyone going in their gardens with fireworks they sure bought. and scaring my, my cats basically half to death so yeah not oh, good. Yeah. so guys what what's uh, we had a bit of thinking time what's your throw it out it can be as random as you like in terms okay. of well I would, I, would, I would like to have seen maybe bill goldberg and uh carrie von eric wow that's an interesting one yeah two super <laughs> athletes uh, but maybe yeah. maybe not the most carrie po- was pretty polished actually to be fair but but obviously bill wasn't but a very super athlete but yeah that's a really sure. interesting one sure. yeah how about you, Toby? Have you got anything that kind of springs springs to mind? You know, my mine would be very, very dull. I mean, honestly, uh, it, it would be uh, around uh, 1984. So, so in their prime, uh, Dick Murdoch and, and uh, Ted DiBiase again. Okay, it, it would be it would be a heel DiBiase against a babyface Murdoch. And I've I've seen this match before, but if but if I could, if if I had the opportunity to watch a match live again right now today. That would that be the would, one. That, that would be the one. Yeah. That just goes yep. to show how good those matches must have been. That you would, you yep. know, you pick something that actually you, you know, exists. I suppose is, is the yeah. thing. But that, that's that's high yeah. high props to them. So yeah. um, in ring we have Dale VC up against Tim Horner, um, who appears to be the, the push man. I'm, I think I've seen Horner before. Um, he'd been working Georgia Championship Wrestling and also the short-lived Ole Anderson Championship Wrestling from Georgia, which was the promotion that. 
took off basically after the World Wrestling Federation took over on TBS after Black Saturday. Um, and he, he made his way to Mid-South for the first time since early 84. Um, Ross described VC as a strong, stocky man. And Joel added that Horner was quite strong without too many show muscles, which I felt a bit sh- sorry for Horner about there. Uh, yeah, not, not, not giving too much uh, plaudits for his workouts. Um, nice finish here in 237 with Horner winning with the Russian leg sweep. Uh, what do you think with this one, gents? Um, Terry first and then Phil, what do you think of this opening encounter with Mid-South Wrestling? So it's funny that you, you kind of had the same notes that I did. I, th- I thought it was funny that, that, you know, this is this is the lesser match on the entire card. And he just kept talking about how he's seen Tim Horner's workouts and how strong he was. Now, keep in mind, we're going to see Brickhouse Brown, Dr. Death. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, and people like that. Hercules the man. Butchery. But, sure. Yeah, butchery. But, uh, but, you know, Tim Horner doesn't work on his show muscles, but he's the strongest <laughs> one. <laughs> I haven't been doing much work on my show muscles recently either, to be honest. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that, that's what I took the same thing as you did. <laughs> what do you think, Phil, of this opening one? Not, not a lot to this, but... Not a lot. Tim Horner had been in the territory before. Now, you do know what he what he did in the 90s, right? Are you aware of what Tim Horner did in the 90s? Um, was, he became sure. part... He was partners with Jim Cornette and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. If you haven't no. heard Jim Cornette's rant on Tim Horner, you haven't heard him <laughs> rant. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> it, right. I mean, if you think he doesn't like... Um, Russo, you got to hear what he's got to say about <laughs> oh, no. Horner and their oh, no. breakup. Yeah, so, uh, but that's a whole other story. But it, yeah, it, Horner had been in the territory a couple of times before, maybe the previous year. I really, he didn't leave an impression on me. If you had asked me before I rewatched this podcast, all my memories of every wrestler that went through the territory, I never would have come up with Tim Horner. Yeah, I mean, there's a few. Like that's the thing. If I if I see an early like a WF show from 91 or 92, there'll be someone on there that I just like, and I, I watch that religiously and it just, it just will have passed right. me by. And I guess this is, this is one for you. Um, so back from break, we had a recap of Butch Reed and Buddy Landell from last week, which ended with Williams attacking Reed and Duggan making the save. Ross says that was another case of how deadly Williams is in full football gear. And Watts adds that he's like a Sherman tank. Um, what do you think of the, uh, Phil, what did you think of Williams in his full full football get-up here? Obviously, in your your team's colours as well. Okay, so you got to realise this was a very emotional event for us. You know, I'm in Oklahoma. I'm watching from Oklahoma. I've been an Oklahoma Sooners fan since, you know, five years old watching them on television. That uniform meant everything to me. Now, I realise a lot of the territory was not in Oklahoma, but um, but they're a you know, well-known national team. So, mm. you know, and it's interesting. Steve had already been out of college for well over a year. He'd already played a full season in, in the pros with the New Jersey generals. Mm. Um, there is a quite a, quite a coup. If you don't know, there's a, a league started called the USFL. Yes. Yep. Tried to compete, tried to compete with the NFL. And they had the, the biggest steal of an athlete, Herschel Walker coming out of the university of Georgia. The, one of the greatest running backs ever lived, went to the USFL instead of the NFL. And, um, and, um, uh, Steve Williams uh, was on the team with him. But um, so it, it's kind of strange that I, I, you know, if you're going to pull out a football uniform, the only reason why you pull out Oklahoma is because so much of the territory is in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He easily could have put on his professional outfit. But it was tough for us to watch. You know, we'd been a fan of Steve as he played. And now he's a heel, you know, and he's in, in the uniform being a heel. Yeah, it's tough to watch. 
Surely, wouldn't it have made more sense in a in in the mid south promotion for him to have his New York because it's you you're, you're almost I guess in Shreveport they wouldn't. What's what's no. the what's the what's the team closest to where this was taped in terms of college football? Uh, well, probably one Shreveport. of the, yeah. yeah, one of the bigger teams for Streetport would be LSU. Okay, yeah. So I guess it's would it would he be healing being in a Sooners outfit there, but obviously in other markets, not all. Or would is that not is that a rivalry where you know it's not you know not not healing as much as say a you know New York or you know Texas oh, Sooners kind of thing? No, no. For the region of the country, yeah, Oklahoma was playing against some of those teams. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, uh, well, Dugan played for uh, uh, Southern Methodist University, which is mm. uh, down there south in Texas, right, Terry? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, no, it's definitely a, a, a heel move to go with that. It, it definitely invoked a mm. lot more emotions in as New Jersey general. Okay, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what I was wondering, because he sometimes gets a bit of a mixed reaction, Williams, and I guess that's the, you know, the, the history of him playing, playing a good guy. But um, in ring after this, Dr. Destiny Williams is, is there. Um, he's only got his helmet with him in terms of football gear this, this week, and he's up against Brickhouse Brown. Um, Landell came down to ringside after about two minutes with a paint can and said he was going to make an example of Brickhouse Brown missed the flying body press and got hit with the Oklahoma Stampede body slam for the win in 230. Post-match, Williams slammed poor Brickhouse with the helmet. Williams held Brickhouse while Landell struggled to get the paint can open. Watts said, obviously, he wasn't prepared for this situation, and Duggan and Reed ultimately made the save. So, Phil, do you think that Brickhouse was supposed to be painted here, but Landell legitimately couldn't get this paint can open? I have wondered about that, and I really don't know. (laughs) I think he probably they probably didn't want to paint the ring because there's more coming up uh yeah okay that makes sense that makes um, sense yeah it, any other painting either happened you know the tar and feathering always either happened outside the ring or is the very last yes event and if they're taping multiple shows if there's even another one more show to tape but they've got more matches coming out i don't i i think that it was kayfabe that he couldn't get it open that's my opinion what do you think sorry I I, I, th- I agree. Uh, I, I thought uh, Landell did a great job selling it, though. I mean, mm. even even to the point of acting like he was opening it with his teeth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I, I thought Landell did a great job with that. And, and you know, going back to some of the one of the earlier episodes, uh, though, uh, with the with the tar and feathering. I forget who it was, but he literally broke the the thing open on the ring post. Uh, oh yes, you, yes. You remember uh, that? Sonny <laughs> King had a bottle of like maple syrup or tar. He was gonna yeah, Sonny yeah. King. Yeah, he couldn't, get the, guys, yeah. couldn't get the jar open, so he went to the ring post and bust yeah, cracked the glass bust, thing up. Just yeah. busted it open, you know. So uh I, I thought it was a good sell job because it really made you wonder if if he was really trying to get that paint can open. But but what you guys said make makes so much sense. I mean, let's let's not get any paint in the ring when we got to tape a bunch more matches. You got to, yeah, we're, yeah, we're just into it, yeah. I think that's right, but I would li- I, I do really like the idea of Buddy Lander not being able to get that paint can open legitimately because it reminds me of me at home trying to do some DIY. Right. And whatever, right. whatever I need, whatever yeah. equipment I need is in the furthest possible position away from me. Or even sometimes after I used to, I still store some stuff at my mum's house, might even be at my mum's house. I remember when I was trying to play golf for the first time this summer, my golf shoes were at my mum's just a half an hour drive away, which is, which is not <laughs> ideal. And I did consider trying to buy some if I could get some somewhere else that day, but 
I relented and drove over there. So, yeah, I wonder whether perhaps Landell had, had left his, his paint can opener at his mum's, perhaps. But, <laughs> right. So next up is the team of the wrestling hacksaws. Oh, one, one quick oh, note. sorry, Phil, go ahead. One quick. Yeah, um, as a, I've, I've mentioned before, a lot of times I look at these people's Wikia pages to see who, it always mentioned who trained, you know, when they started, when they retired, and, and who trained them. Mm. Um, and we, I knew that uh, Bill Watts trained uh, Steve. He was, you know, because of their Oklahoma connections, he was big in recruiting Steve, um, much like Jr. is now. He's, he, you know, he, he recruits football players, or he used to, Jr. did. The other trainer listed for uh, Steve Williams, listed two, two people training. One is Bill Watts, the other's Buddy Landell. Ah, oh, wow. I thought, yeah. But I never would have guessed. Anyway, just a curious note I made there. Yeah, really, really interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've got the Wrestling Hacksaws next. Reed and Duggan are teaming for the first time against Jack Victory and Dale Burnett. Um, that, this is this is a real uh, tangent here, but Dale Burnett reminds me of Richie Burnett, who won the Darts World Championship in about 19... <laughs> crikey, 1993, if I had to guess. And there's a funny, well, it's not all that funny. Actually, it's quite a sad story that when Richie Burnett was coming up in the world of darts, I don't think darts is all that big of a thing for you guys there, is it, in terms no. of, no. no. I mean, there's I a thing, the World Championship darts here in the UK, again, another thing that's going to be a victim to COVID, but it's like this huge mm. drunken party, basically, in this big old, big old, it's called Alexandra Palace, but it's a hall that holds about 3,000 people. Um, and everyone goes in fancy dress and it's on for about 16 or 17 days, starting in mid-December. And it usually ends on New Year's Day, the final. So um, I went, I've been probably, I can't, what, 10 or 11 years in a row. And this is this year past was the first time I ever dressed up. I went as Chris Jericho, funnily enough, this year. But it's such a great, it's such a great night out. Um, but this, this, this Richie Burnett guy, this Welsh guy, when he was really struggling hmm. on the dart circuit, he used to bleed radiators and put the water into, I think like this like, nude pot nude. <laughs> thing that used to used to it so i'm sure dale burnett is no relation to this guy but yeah i'll get i'm trying to get back on track here with my, my little, little clearly little sleep equals more tangents well uh, let me help you let me help you get back on track i noticed when they were introducing <clears throat> the you've asked about merchandise before and i've been oh, watching yes, the yeah. crowd more i've been watching the crowd more often as i rewatch these again and while they're introducing the teams in the crowd somebody's holding up Clearly, a couple of folks are holding up uh, headshots of Hacksaw Dugan. They're eight by tens with the border around them, and I saw them holding them up. So obviously, they they are selling some merchandise there. Yeah, interesting. So I, I, I remember those. So I, this I remember is, those headshots. Yeah. So would, you, would that have been signed? Do you think, or just that would have just been a you know a photo that you can you know display at home, but not not signed? You'd probably buy it in hopes of getting a chance to catch them. Right, okay. autograph. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember a, a lot of the TV tapings for like uh, WCCW. They would get dozens and dozens of fans would get autographs as the characters went to the ring and back out. They'd stand at the ring as they're getting introduced, and fans would come up and hand them. At, they'd get up to the ropes and hand them things to sign. Oh, okay. Um, uh, oh, yeah. I remember so, seeing that in World Class actually. Yeah. Now you now you yeah. mentioned that, which you, you don't you didn't get in a lot. Of, I guess a lot of people. A lot of places were probably discouraged from doing that, I guess, because of the look of it on but TV. But I would but. imagine before and after these shows, there was a lot of that. Yeah, definitely. On the TV tape. Yeah, d- definitely. Um, so 
Uh, Ross says he doesn't think that there's a team who is more physical than the two hacksaws. And um, then out of nowhere, Joel adds that if Mr. T were here, I think he would say, <laughs> I pity the fool who has to get the ring in these two. I mean, can you imagine how heartbroken Joel, who clearly obviously was a massive Mr. T fan, how heartbroken would he have been in mere months later when Mr. T right. appeared in the main event of their hated right. rival at WrestleMania? Wow, yeah. poor Joel. What, what 21st birthday <laughs> present that must have been. Um, this is pretty much as you'd expect. It did have an exciting finish with the Hacksaw smashing their opponents with a really good-looking double-flying headbutt spear for the winning 158. Um, Terry, first, what do you think of this, uh, this debut of a tag team of Reed and Duggan? Well, I, I, I loved I loved when they teamed up. The uh, you know I, I was a Butch Reed fan even as a heel. I thought he was just a cool mm-hmm. heel, sure. and and everybody loved Hacksaw in the Mid South. So so you know it was really kind of like a dream team. You know it was, it was almost like you know say a Dusty Rhodes and a Junkyard Dog type deal yep. uh, for me. It, it was like a dream team, and so uh, I loved the Hacksaws. I loved they teamed up, and you know you knew they were going to win. Uh, uh, I think th- this might have been too. Uh, I think they referred to Jack Victory as Jack Valiant uh, at one point in this too, which I thought, oh, okay. you know, catch that. yeah, I, yeah I, I don't know if that was just a slip of the tongue or if, uh, if, if Jack Victory was playing around with a couple names at the mm. time. What did you think of this one, Phil? Uh, exactly what Terry said. We, we, we felt like this was a dream team. It was amazing that these uh, two big athletic stars would get together Normally those turn out to be short lived. I don't know if we had a lot of expectations back then or, you know, we had seen Butch Reed turn on other tag team partners, AKA Jim, the animal Nightheart. Yes. Uh, yes. Well, so, I started watching. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it was, it was certainly a fun time seeing them together. Absolutely. I think there's always something pretty special about um, either a heel that you've always quite admired finally going face or someone that was a face yeah. at some point who's gone heel and you've always got that kind of oh, I just really want just really want the fans to start I remember I really felt that with Bret Hart in 97 because I love Bret Hart so much and like towards the end of his WF run he was even though he went so anti-American this with his stuff which is very very tough to come back from some of the things he said um, some of the crowds and like especially the northeast were starting to really cheer him again and, and I'm, I've always thought that with Austin and various other people so I guess for you guys you know, I can I can recognise that Reed is like oh, this really cool character here, and now yeah. all of a sudden he's you know he's gone to the the right side of things. So yeah, no, really, really good stuff. Um, so next up, this is a really interesting matchup with Ernie Ladd, the new North American champion versus Master G, who obviously came in and was pushed to the moon, um, but has been quite noticeably losing in recent weeks. Um, and again, G got a good reaction from the crowd here, um, but ultimately this ended up being predictably another loss for him against a barely mobile lad. Um, Joel said on commentary during this that it is scientifically proven that a man reaches his physical peak of straight at 45. <laughs> you, I know you, you guys are not, you've not, neither of you have reached 45 yet. So when, when, it, when it finally comes, do you think that's, I'm looking to, do you think that's I'm the looking case? Forward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting stronger, you know. <laughs> I can certainly say I don't feel it at 38, so I, I can't imagine it's going to get any better at 45. So It's obviously only a 20-year-old Joe would make that statement because <laughs> if he, once he gets to be 30, 35, he'll know that 45 is not the peak. No, yeah, I mean, because yeah. everyone that wins an Olympic gold medal in weightlifting is always 45, so clearly it's scientific. <laughs> I wonder what doctor said that. Um, but yeah, this one finished after a not very good 336 um, when G missed a tackle attempt 
um, and hit his neck on the top rope. Lad followed with a pretty shocking-looking high boot and a double leg drop um, for, for the win. And that was it for GM Mid-South. This was his last television appearance in the promotion. Um, and he went full-time in the WWF from December 6th, 84, all the way through to October 86, um, including a WrestleMania 2 match with Jake Roberts. Um, after leaving the World Wrestling Federation, he headed to world-class before a tour with New Japan in 1987. And his last listed match was for Mid-Atlantic in March 88 at the Cow Palace. Um, so Phil, first, what were your memories of Master G? And do you think this was a position that was net, just whoever had this, it was never going to work following the Junkyard Dog. So it was a bit of a poison chalice right. whoever got this, this character in this run. Yeah, Master G, I had more memories of him, actually, I believe. Um, was he George Wells? Yes. In, um, yes. in Georgia. Yeah. In Georgia Championship Wrestling, I had more memories of him there because his obviously his time here at Mid South was you know less than six months, yeah. wasn't it? But uh, now we know uh, from doing research that he was just more the mud slinging against the wall trying to replace JYD. Yeah, and nobody was having it. No. You know, nobody that was a huge fan of JYD was 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 having this guy. So, um, yeah, kind of an uninspired match there. Like you said, Lad's not real mobile, and he didn't have any trouble at all with this supposed physical superstar yeah. of a specimen, right? <laughs> yeah. What did you? What did you? What are your memories of uh, Master G, um, Taryn? What did you? What did you think of this? You know, this 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 short well, one. I, sorry, sorry, I've just asked you a question. I've interrupted you immediately, there, so I can only apologise. Um, the only thing I was going <laughs> to add is I think I mentioned the book as well. Apparently, and and again, I would take I take most things that Dave Meltzer says with some degree of a pinch of salt, but I take his 84 wrestling observers, which I bought, which I probably shouldn't have bought a, a, an unwise purchase um, with a more of a pinch of salt because of, he was young. And I don't think his sources were up to much, but apparently G was missing some dates around this time, but whether that was because he was flirting with the world wrestling Federation, or what the truth is, but I guess this Shreveport crowd that gave him a good reaction is, is one very tiny part of, the whole thing because I guess they're, they're doing good good gates in a small arena here but I'm guessing his main events didn't translate to box office business that was good around the loop what, what are your memories of G and this uh, and this short run here I think the last time we spoke uh, I mentioned I, I just wasn't a fan of Master G and and you know him following JYD he, it was destined to fail I mean it's yeah. like wh- whoever whoever replaces Nick Saban at Alabama you know that poor soul I'll take your word for that first, one <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, but uh, but but I was a huge Ernie Ladd fan and mm. and uh, and it's it's funny because as a, as a teenager you know. I loved Lad, and I, and he was great on the mic. But now watching this back over again, I, I guess at the time I didn't realize how old and bad Lad was at the time in the ring. Hmm. You know, I, I at the time, you know, you're a fan. You just know he's the champion. Yes. You know, uh, now looking at it in hindsight, I, I mean, you, you know, he probably had no business in the ring. He probably should have just been a full-time manager yep. and, and, and did promos. Uh, because he, he was one of the best ever on the mic. Yeah, I agree. Every segment I've seen, I've seen him with talking. He's been great, and you've you've nailed it there. I think in terms of this guy has still got the physical ability to be someone's bodyguard or something like that, and a, you know a bit of a different, but doesn't have to be in a wrestling role. And I think obviously, sort of spoiler alert, Magnum is on the way out here. We've got we've got a bit more of Magnum to come, um, but Magnum's gone, and it feels like a bit of a, a bit of an odd shift actually. And I haven't looked ahead. I don't know when. Lad loses it, um, but it's, it feels like a bit of an odd shift to go from this super young 
babyface character in terms of your top champion to, to lad, I suppose. But then I guess this is probably a transitional, transitional one for who, who gets it next. Um, up next, after the break, we have Chavo and Hector Guerrero going up against Shawn Michaels um, and Tony Fork. Um, Michaels is not wearing his MTV shirt this week, which is a shame. <laughs> but these two did get a nice reaction from the crowd. Um, and actually, given that Shawn Michaels in his, his debut match, I think, got... Uh, two offensive moves in. I counted his offensive moves this week and it was four and two of those punches. So Would this be Shawn Michaels' there. first televised tag team match? So Shawn Michaels, I think this is his uh, this is his third match, third televised match. And his fir- third the first televised match. match. Yeah, did, yeah, he have any, yeah. did he have any tag team matches before? I believe, uh, yeah, I believe he was doing tag matches on the on the, on the the house shows as well. Yeah, at the okay. time. So um, I don't know when, I mean, I presume we get some singles, but Michael's is, a, I looked this up, Michael's is around for a, a little while to, to come actually in terms of mid-south stuff, which is interesting. Um, and the commentators put over Guerrero's high-risk offense before they won with the double suplex in 243. And then after the win, they shout at the camera that the Alan Busts are here to stay, and Ross says they remain undefeated. So, Terry, what now, do you think do, about this, Matt? Oh, sorry, Phil, you go first. Yeah, do, do folks in the UK understand the reference to the Alamo Busters? Um, I probably don't understand it as much as I should do, but if you want to give give us a bit of uh, detail about that, please okay. do so. There's a, a to the, there's there's a battle of the Alamo in eighteen revolution. Uh, it was the Mexican Revolutionary War. Mm. Uh, when you know Mexico used to own Texas, and Texas is um, they're going to have their revolutionary war. There is a, a mission. People still go tour it today. It's in San Antonio, Texas. A mission, right? Isn't it in San Antonio, Terry? Isn't that right? The Alamo is in I San believe Antonio. So. Yeah, I believe so. It, it's just an old mission that uh, a bunch of uh, Texas Americans got held up in during this war. And the Mexicans came and uh, had outnumbered the Americans 10 to 1. Mm. But they held them off for weeks. Uh, was it Davy Crockett that was there, got killed? Well, one of our mid-1800s, we had this in school. But there was a phrase that came out of that battle called, remember the Alamo. Yeah, that's what so, I've heard, yeah. yeah. Remember the Alamo. Okay, well, Watts in his always trying to find some – racial tension promotes some type of uh, American patriotism already. He's out of Russians. The Russians are gone. Yes. So now he's, now yeah. he's projecting that onto when, when they're making mention, they're the Alamo busters. They're saying, you know, we're the guys that, you know, would have come and killed all the Americans out the Alamo. Yeah. So that's, that's, quite really a, that's quite a, I mean, I know we're talking about um, what two hundred or so. Well, maybe not as not as much as two hundred years, but one hundred and fifty years or something. One hundred fifty, sure. One hundred and fifty, yeah. yeah. But still, that's probably that's quite an emotive thing to say, I suppose, isn't it? In terms of you know loss of life and you know still things that would have been you know very very taught in your schools and stuff at the time. So, oh yeah, yeah remember is, the yeah. Alamo is the battle cries you ran into war to die for your country. Yeah, and these wow. guys are the ones that are going to bust your Alamo. Yeah, yeah. So what, what did you think of this uh, this match of Michaels, Fork, and uh, the Guerreros here, Terry? Uh, you know, for some reason, uh, uh, you know, now watching back the Mid-South, uh, I, I've seen the Guerreros matches and whatever, but, but they, they, I have a gap in my memory. I just don't really remember seeing them live, any of the mm. shows I went to, I, and I didn't remember them at the time. I remember Chavo doing a lot of single stuff before that uh, with us. So, so I was, I'm kind of, kind of new to, to watching them, uh, as a team. I thought they were good. I thought they were solid. 
not necessarily my favorite tag team. Yeah, you know, to come through the mid south, I I I'd choose the 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 sheep herders or somebody like that over them. Uh, but but they were solid, and 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 like Phil said, uh, Bill Watts was kind of adding some some instant heat to them. Yes. Uh, with, with, with that, and and so uh, I guess they were just searching for a team. Absolutely, and I, and I feel like that is where we are a bit. And I, I, obviously, we've got some new characters that have come out, like Dibios, who's sort of back in the promotion and stuff. But I do feel like, and, and we'll get onto this more next week, um, that they are searching a bit for things here. And, you, and you've got a yeah, bit they, of a change, they've lost the uh, the Midnight Express is is gone. Yes, uh, they, yep. need, they need a heel tag team. I remember the uh, the Guerreros more from a couple of years previous in Mid South. And they had a third. They had Mondo Guerrero with. Oh him. yeah, he was phenomenal. Mondo Guerrero's phenomenal. One thing I always knows about the Guerreros they they were very athletic, exciting to watch. But if you watch, they always have a different finisher at each match. It's always unique. It's a different finisher each time, and it's you know something unique that nobody else is using. Yeah, and next week they've got a really really good one. Should look look forward to, to talking about and. Um, so now for a moment of pause and reflection as one of the awful things I stumbled across a few weeks ago is about to come to pass. My countryman, exotic Adrian Street, is about to have his last ever match on Mid-South Television. So Phil, did you watch this one with a tear in your eye as I did? <laughs> At this point, we were watching, cringing, waiting to see if he's going to pull out the kiss move <laughs> on somebody. We were just paranoid the kiss was going to come out again. I so. mean, I wonder if there was a Mid-South video game in 84 where the where Agent Street's <laughs> special move, like if you tapped XX, up, down, up, down, XXY, it would have been the kiss. It was kiss. Out. That's a special <laughs> move, yeah. Um, so Adrian had a glorious silver outfit on and was accompanied by Miss Linda with her trusty spray. Bill Dundee was all in white, and this was a non-title match. And all through the opening part, Adrian's Ventures music was playing. They talked on commentary about Bill being the smaller man in most of his matches, even though him and Adrian were a very similar size. Um, Adrian controlled most of this one with various locks and submissions. Um, and I actually thought this was a little bit better than their title match of a couple of weeks ago. Um, bizarrely, the Magnum and Taylor match versus Hercules and DiBiase was described as a standby encounter um, that would only finish, only would, have, only would appear if this match finished within TV time, even though that's, you know, the biggest match on the, on the card. So a little bit bizarre placement there. Um, Miss Linda on the outside tried to spray Dundee, but accidentally hit Street in the eyes. And as soon as that happened, I was immediately worried about what would happen post-match. But thankfully, they cut away. So Adrian would head off to Memphis until mid-85 and then work Continental thereafter. Um, his last match was in Birmingham, Alabama in 2014. And he returned to Wales in 2018 alongside his wife, Linda, who he only proposed to in 2005. So obviously they knew each other in 84 and previously. So he obviously held out for, for a long time there. I don't know whether you guys, are you guys into boxing at all? Is, are, you, are you a fan of boxing as well as uh, you know, combat sports? Yeah. In years past, I was more than I am now, but um, used it's to watch a, a lot of boxing. Yeah. So that, I don't know, this just popped into my mind. So there's a guy called Carl Frotch, who was, uh, who was in the Super Six, probably uh, probably most known for his America stuff. I'm not even sure if he ever boxed over there, but he, he had a big, big rival with another British guy called George Graves, and they had a very controversial first match in Manchester where uh, Groves was win- miles up on points and then Frosch had a rally and stopped him anyway they had their rematch at Wembley Stadium so you had 90,000 people there huge paper one of the, one of the most bought pay-per-views here ever obviously during it was it was in our prime time as well which helped rather than have to start up till five in the morning like we do for Vegas fights anyway after Frosch 
knocked him out in about the sixth or seventh round. His his sort of stunning glamour model girlfriend came in the ring and uh, Froch proposed to her in the ring. And then he said about a minute later, no, no, I was only joking. I was only joking. So I wondered oh. if this was a yes. I, wondered, I wonder whether Adrian Street had done that to Miss Linda after like a few big oh, wow. wins over the years. But yeah, I, just couldn't, wow. I don't know why this popped into my mind. But yeah, that was that was an incredible moment. But yeah, this is a, it's a bit sad, really, because I've really enjoyed Adrian Street's, uh, Adrian Street's work. And again, this is another character that, you know, we've, we've had some packages for, we've had a bit of an introduction for, we had that incredible bit of him on commentary a few weeks ago, and, and, and this is it for him. So, um, Phil, first, what are your memories, aside from what we've already talked about, um, well, of Adrian was, Street? And did you see much of him was, after this run? As I was watching this match, and I've got it playing now, I'm, I'm, as we do these episodes, I always have the video running on here. He actually did more wrestling holds and more wrestling maneuvers than anyone yeah. in the show. Uh, you know, normally we don't, back then we didn't think of the heel wrestlers as being very scientific. Uh, but he, you know, I mean, he's taking it to Dundee here with all kinds of moves and holds. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, you know, he wasn't in this promotion a long time compared to some, but, uh, then I, you know, saw him in other promotions. Um, but now I can more appreciate the wrestler that he was than I, than I did then for sure. Yeah, definitely. What, what do you think, Terry? What were your memories of Street? And did you see much of him after after this? Well, run? well, just what kind of what Phil said. Uh, you know, when I was watching the match, it was almost like Dundee forgot he was the babyface because mm. he was at times in the match he was on the retreat because uh, because yeah because he was Adrian Street was putting so many holes on him. Dundee was retreating almost like a heel. Uh, and so I found that interesting. A couple other uh, other things to note. You, you know, you mentioned the TV time part. Again, that was part of Bill Watts' genius. Mm. If if wrestling was in fact real, they wouldn't know how much time was left on the show. Completely right. And, yeah. and, you know, so so it's kind of like they had to say that for the fans. Uh, sure. But but you knew we were going to get some of that main event, hmm. uh, but then they would probably tease us so we would go to the arena and watch it in completion. Yes, um, yeah. And and then the, then the final thing you mentioned this being uh, Adrian's last match. Ironically, at the end of the show, yes. they announce a rematch with him next week. So something yes. happened yes. where he abruptly had to leave. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've got that. Got that in my notes coming up. I, I wonder what that what that was because obviously we had, we had Landell with um, with Bill Dundee the week afterwards, didn't we? Um, but that yeah, that was uh, that, that that timing thing is an interesting one because I was I I think we probably talked about this before, but small things on wrestling shows that don't make sense frustrate me. And I, again, we're we're dating ourselves. Or I'm dating this podcast with reference to a pay per view that happened sort of two and a half weeks ago. But last night. The TNT title in AEW is essentially their television title, but it isn't defended every week on TV, which I have no problem with. But on their show, it's a 20-minute time limit. And I like time limits because every now and then, you can use a time limit really, really well. And if you haven't got that storyline trope, you you can't ever use it. You can't have a draw, and that's a way out of a match. But last night, not that it went longer, but the TNT title match last night was a 60-minute time limit. And I thought, well, that doesn't make any sense because their, their time limit matches on normal television for their other titles are always an hour. So explain to me why this one's 60 rather than 20. It should just be it's 20. Mm-hmm. But anyway, another tangent. But that's, at least that's a wrestling tangent rather than a and Queen or Donna Kebab tangent. 
to Terry's point there, you mentioned something that, uh, you know, maybe they'd want to bait you into coming down and watching the show. I mentioned on a, I believe I did mention on a previous podcast that the WCCW television shows on would often, often not show the finish of the last match. Yes. Yeah. They would have to cut away and say, you know, tune in next week to find out who won, but you know, or, you know, they'd make you want to go down and buy your ticket and and go be, but the, the last match, the main event almost never was shown into completion. We yep. used to get that a bit on, and I don't know what what did do you guys remember what what did WCW worldwide air for you guys? Was that was that like a just a random throwaway weekend show? Because that was what we that was the only WCW we got for a lot of time. And I seem to recall that in a period in the probably early nineties, quite a lot of the main I'm, events I'm, on worldwide I'm, would end. Oh, I know your I know your world class. Yeah, yeah, I know your world class. I'm sorry, talking about world class. Yeah. yeah. So so later, I remember we used to get WCW worldwide here. Mm-hmm. Um, in like maybe like 93. And I remember they did a, they had a period where not every week, but quite a lot of weeks, like the world class stuff, you'd end the main event without, you know, without a conclusion. Mm-hmm. But I just wondered what that, what that show, because obviously WCW Saturday night was the big show for you guys. I wonder if was worldwide right. just a syndicated thing that would be sort of throw away somewhere over the course of the weekend, like a recap show. I don't remember when that came on. I mean, I know I saw it. Yeah, I don't either. Interesting, because that's, <laughs> that's all we got. Until Nitro, we got Nitro probably spring 96, but we didn't get the two-hour version, maybe ever. So actually, fun enough, those early nitros when like the NWO and all that stuff, when the WWE Network came out, I was watching the two-hour version for the first time and there were there was like whole angles that we would ask. They would, some some random guy would, who, who worked for TNT Europe would decide, well, actually, I'm not going to show this particular wrestler. And then the next week, because they didn't show it the week before, I presume it's like, we're not going to show that again. So you had all these angles and storylines in the <laughs> mid and lower card that I didn't even know existed because I'd never seen them before. But right. right, so last up, we have Sheik Hercules Hernandez and Ted DiBiase, along with Skandar Akbar versus the sensational team of Magnum TA and Terry Taylor. Ross says this match could be a main event in any arena around the globe. So at 6.30, with all four men in the ring, DiBiase loaded the glove and struck Taylor with it before Hercules put on the Shinomaki submission move and the ref called for the bell. I thought this was a really, really strong six and a half minutes of action um, between these four men. One of the one of the best matches I've seen um, on Mid-South over this last year. I know it's only six and a half minutes, but it felt, you know, it, it, I, could, I could have watched another 18 minutes of this comfortably, but I thought this was really, really good. Um, what did you think of this uh, this tag team match, Terry, first of all? So so a couple things I noticed in the beginning. First of all, they announced Sheik Hernandez being from Bad Street. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, so so I, again, I'm I'm horrible with dates and time, so I'm just wondering if Agbar at the time was also doing world class stuff with the Freebirds. Uh, I, I I don't know. Uh, the, the other thing is very odd that I noticed it, and I went back and rewound it, and I did in fact see Jerry Taylor must have borrowed a T-shirt from somebody because oh, okay. when he when he takes his T-shirt off, he smells it. Like it smells bad <laughs> before he throws it to the ring guy. So, so you, you need to go back and watch it. He takes his shirt off. I'm rewinding. Like a, I'm backing up yeah, now to look. Yeah, take it out. It's like a rock and roll T-shirt. He, I forget who it was, Rod Stewart or somebody. He takes it. He smells it. And you see an awful, awful look on his face, <laughs> and he throws it, throws it out of the oh, room. Oh, that's so, incredible. I'm going to look at that uh, afterwards. Yeah, that's yes, really, really good. Uh, 
but but yeah, the the match was good. Uh, I was never a huge Hercules Hernandez fan, and I don't know why. I, I really don't know why. Uh, I guess now that I'm rewatching this stuff, I'm becoming more of a fan of his. I I just don't know what it was. Uh, but I, I I really liked Ta. I, I liked Terry Taylor. I loved DiBiase, uh, and, and this this was just a really really good match. I agree about Hercules. So I, I saw a lot of his late 80s and early 90s WWF stuff, and he never, he's just another muscle guy. But he looks good here, doesn't he? I, I was, I'm really impressed with him and his athleticism. Um, what did you think yeah. of this one, Phil? At 35 minutes and 35 seconds, Taylor sniffs his shirt <laughs> and shakes his head. Well, really I'm, looking, pretty, I'm looking this up right now. It's about 35, 34, 35, 35 on the, on the YouTube broadcast. Um, I think I was, uh, I think I was probably more of a Hercules fan uh, than Terry. Maybe uh, uh, of course I, at that time was into all the weightlifting stuff and kind of idolized those guys too. Now, you know, if obviously was more, uh, I wasn't a, a fan of heels because they were heels, but like you mentioned earlier, Butch Reed, he's one of the cool heels, you know? So I, I did admire, uh, watching those guys like that they were there. So I was more of a fan than, than you were. I was just, uh, these guys, there it is. Yeah. Oh my God. It's absolutely incredible. <laughs> he's like, like, dang, I stink. Yeah. <laughs> it could have it, it been a, a ring rat may have loaned him the shirt. Wow. I don't know what that was. All right. About. It could have been somebody just, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> How bad must it have been that he sniffed it in the first place? And I watch it, I'm watching it again now and he shakes his head. Oh, I'm sorry, Phil. I'm sorry. I couldn't yeah, hold, no, I couldn't hold that in. <laughs> Wow, sorry. Where, where were we? Carry on, Phil. Okay, so I I don't guess any of these guys had tag team before. So, uh, you know, it's now looking at the business side of it, they take like just about the four biggest stars in the territory and put them yes. all in the ring at the same time. Yep. Yeah. Not spread it out through the show, not each one of these guys separately in another match with somebody to put all four of them in the ring at the same time. So, I mean, Watts would do anything or Dundee's doing the booking, you know, but – yeah. Um, it's impressive that they would do that. Yeah, I, I was quite surprised actually. I know, I know, it wasn't a clean finish, but I was quite surprised that Taylor, that anyone lost. Actually, it wasn't a big melee or anything at the end. And actually, this was a you know a pinfall loss here. But yeah, very, very impressive. Um, and I, I get the, I get the feeling in terms of their matches, they are this. You know, I, I don't like to use the term war because war is a horrific, horrible thing. But in terms of a wrestling thing, they, you know, they're battling the other promotions here for, the, for, their, for their survival with lots of wrestlers moving around and, and the such like. Um, but yeah, they said on commentary that Bill Dundee, as, as you said, Terry, would, would defend the television title against Agent Street, but as we know, that doesn't end up happening. Um, we'll also have Butch Reed, this is for next week, we'll also have Butch Reed and Ernie Ladd, and they're trying to sign a rematch between DiBiase and Hercules versus the Rock and Roll Express, plus Brad Armstrong and Private Terry Daniels of the Cobra Call will be there. Um, so that's it for the December 1st, 84 episode of Miss South Wrestling, which has contained probably the best moment in the history of Mid-South with Terry Taylor sniffing that T-shirt and throwing <laughs> it away. Just an incredible, incredible moment. I encourage you all at 35.35 on episode 273 on YouTube. Just go and watch that now. Um, so, Phil, first, what did you think of this uh, this episode overall? Overall, it was really good. Uh, 
a couple of those awkward moments with Joel. Again, here at the end, Terry mentioned the announcement. Jim Ross was about to make the announcement. Joel awkwardly hops in before the match is barely even finished. He wants to make the announcement, you know, that we're having, you know, uh, Grizzly Smith announces we're going to have this match next week. Well, it it was bad timing. He was excited, got it in there, but I think it was for Jim Ross to announce. But uh, <laughs> this will be the – is this the first episode – of this broadcast, this podcast that yes. we yep. haven't ever mentioned, that we haven't ever mentioned. Um, um, oh my, the guy with Boyd? the clothes, Boyd Pierce's oh, outfit. Pierce. Boyd yeah, yeah, had a very dark, understated suit. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, him. I didn't even make yeah. a note of it because it was so understated. So I didn't like that very much, Boyd. I think hopefully he makes a bit more effort. I can't remember next week actually. Oh no, actually, Joe, you know what I'm just reading my no. You know what? Spoiler alert! My met my note on this next week says Boyd Pierce in a very demure number for him. So yeah, clearly he's okay. um, he's toning it down for the for the winter season. And um, uh, so right. Terry, what did you think of this uh, this this episode overall here? Uh, good episode, I, I agree uh, with, with all of the above. A couple notes that that I, I did not mention on this one uh, for for the guys that go back and look, and people listening to the podcast. Uh, when Doctor Death comes in in that football uniform, he looks like a doggone uh, villain out of a Marvel's comic. He is mm. humongous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he is a humongous man. Uh, and then the other thing, uh, when Hacksaw, uh, on the video uh, tape replay, when Hacksaw makes the save with the two-by-four, was that the first time uh, Hacksaw debuts the two-by-four? Have we seen the two-by-four yet? Yeah, um, I believe we have. But yeah, we have? Right. Okay. I mean, okay. yeah. but, but they mention it. They pointed out. Uh, and I'm, I was kind of, it was kind of the note I was thinking when they say he's with a there's hacksaw with a two by four. Yeah. Well, in, in the future in in WWE, you never would have had to mention that. You know, he's got the two by yeah, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right. it's standard. But he had had he not brought it in, I believe he had because when he did the video, when they kind of rebranded him, when they did the video, but turned him into a country boy. He had been carrying a big two by four. Yeah, gotcha. it, it, okay. it was very yeah. very early on, but. No, good call. Good catch. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. But but no, great show uh, and uh, just just a fun episode. Good stuff, guys. Well, you're going to very kindly stay uh, around for the next episode, which everyone will hear in seven days' time. But before we get out of here, where can people find you on Twitter? You go first, um, Phil, and then Terry, you follow. Uh, at Blue Eyed Drummer. It's spelled kind of funny. Just go to Mid-South. I posted some... Pictures from my wrestling magazines just recently from this era. Um, so you can just follow at mid moments, right? At mid moments. Yep, absolutely. Yep. You'll find us all there. Yeah. Good stuff. Terry. Yeah. Same, same thing. Uh, mid moments is probably easiest on Twitter uh, for the, for the Twitter people. Uh, I'm most active on Facebook uh, under my name, Terry Canova, C-A-N-O-V-A. Good so, stuff. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much, gents. I look forward to speaking to you again. I'm not even going to do the facade that we're not going to. We're not taping this all in one, <laughs> all in one thing this week. So I look forward to speaking to you again very, very soon. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, why not head over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button, follow on Spotify, or press whatever you need to where you listen to this show to receive the episodes as soon as they are released. We love reviews at Mid-South Moments, so why don't you make my day by leaving a five-star rating? 
Also, if you're interested in guest hosting in the future, please do reach out at Mid Moments on Twitter. And I look forward to speaking with you all again very, very soon.